chapter 15. Lejikai felt as if he had forgotten something. Like he had forgotten everything. But it was fine. It wasn't important. He just had to keep moving. There wasn't any real hurry, but a very clear direction that felt incredibly, all-encompassingly relieving. Finally. Finally he could let go of everything. Could stop worrying so bloody much, stop remembering with his entire body, with every thumb of skin, with every cramped breath. He felt eternity trickle at the edges of his being. He had always been here. He was always here. Always safe. Then, he wasn't. Kai! He heard the end of his name like an echo from a very faraway past, ruining the touch of eternity, trying to forcibly bend this place into a temporal space. Hey! Taran squeezed his hand, hard staring into his face with furious eyes, a worried brow. He tore his hand from her. Could you at least try? Only now did he realise she hadn't actually been speaking. It was thoughts, sharp, clear, keen like a blade. Think of the angering things Bash spoke about, okay? Don't... He felt her anger, fear... Ripple through himself. Nothing had a border here. I know it's tempting, Lidikai. It was Vesha's thought. Lidikai looked at Taran. She didn't seem to notice the thought at all. To Lidikai it was as distinct as hers had been. Please stay. I'm sorry, Lidikai thought at the same time as he thought, I will. He saw Vesh nod where he sat, eyes closed. Lidikai could make them all out now. Taran, Vesh and Crow. They had been there this entire time. He had just not noticed them. Everything flickered about them like static. Nothing had any colour. All was entirely drained of saturation, and at the same time transparent, incorporeal, several layers on top of each other. Vesh looked the same, however, apart from his colourful clothes having become grey, the patterns looking as if they moved among the shades. The anchoring Vesh had talked about. He had said easy things. Things that anchored in time and space. Emotions attached to a specific moment. He stressed that the anchoring had to be a moment in Runa, not anywhere else. Not a memory from the dreamist. And not one from here. The cold. The realm of the dead. Where they now supposedly visited. Lady Kai had almost mentioned the fact that that last thing was unnecessary to point out before realising it was not aimed at him. A thing Lidikai quickly noticed about this place was that memories seemed naked, as if, when he tried to think about them, they came back mirrored in a light he didn't like one bit. 
Unintentionally, he thought about a time when his yabi had told him off for losing focus again while practicing with her. But now he also saw the underlying panicked fear she had every time she looked at him. He had always pictured her as afraid of nothing. He had never seen that fear. She was so incredibly, exhaustingly scared for him, not of him. All she wanted was for him to be safe. He had to stop thinking about it, but he did notice a sense of grounding. So at least it seemed to have worked, as the anchoring Vesh had talked about, intended or not. Vesh was leading them. They were all still sitting down, the wreath Lydikai and Vesh had made running through their hands. Lydikai could see the outline of Vesh's house around them, but he also saw a lot of other things. Herds of galomi antelopes running through the alva. Something enormous, coiling and writhing along, larger than was possible to understand. A small child with wings, running, laughing, an adult running after them, also laughing. A very intense, intimate meeting between five ori rolled past, like a flicker, breaths harsh and heavy. Four armoured ori marching forward in what looked like a snowstorm, or maybe it was sand. Lydikai had only seen snow on very distant mountaintops, so he didn't know how it looked up close and in the air like that. Hours passed. Eons passed. Days, nights, moon faces and circles, Lydikai could feel that Vesh was searching, constantly. He felt his thoughts going over everything Taran had told him about Kira, in an endless mantra. Vesh's focus was dazzling. Lydikai had dropped the memory of his Yabi, realizing that attaching himself to Vesh's spear of a focus was all he needed to feel more grounded. He wouldn't have been able to describe how he managed to even do said attaching if he tried. At that realization, Lidikai felt a smile of Vesh's pass by. He felt Taryn try to keep herself attached as well, but she was trying too hard, and she got too annoyed when she didn't succeed. He could tell she was scared of this place. He didn't blame her. Crow was far away. Lydica couldn't see it as anything else. They were quiet, distant, even though they sat only an oris length away from Lydica. They were muttering something under their breath, and since it didn't seem to do any harm, Lydica assumed that was Crow's way of anchoring themselves here. Whatever worked. And then, suddenly, they had always been at Kira's side. Lydikai had some trouble catching up on the conversation, placing it in the right order. He was walking in on it and initiating it at the same time, or continuously. And here I thought, dying, would finally let me be rid of you. It was Kira's thought. Her thoughts were different than the ones among the four of them. They were visitors. Kira belonged here. She was fixed in this eternity. 
but they seemed to have dragged part of her out of it, shaped her into a form that threatened to come apart at any moment. The image that seemed the most stable, though that was a very relative term here, Lydic, I realised, was that of a quite young Ori. She had thick hair that had probably been a warm black before taking on the greyness of this place. It was much like Lydicais in quality and straightness, but shiny and flowed around her in the moving shades, as if she were on the water. Her skin was a dull grey, not as dark as Vesha's, but not nearly as pale as Crow's. It was covered in hex brands, glimmering with vague, pulsating light across her entire curvy body, peeking out through the simple, flowy dressing gown hanging off her body. She was leaning back, as if in an invisible chair, elbows resting on the static around her, level with her shoulders. Her dismissive sigh of a thought had been directed at Taryn, who was now shrugging in response with an attempt at an apologetic smile. Didikai noted that Taryn had conveniently forgotten to tell anyone that she was apparently not on good terms with this dead Ori. You do still owe me one, Taryn thought. Crow and Vesh had both opened their eyes, watching as Lidikai was, feeling the thoughts oscillating between, into, around, Taryn and Kira. You think that still holds when you get someone killed? There was a tangible bitterness to the thought. It looked like biting into the rind of a citrus. I do. Lydica was impressed with Tarrant's restraint. He had felt everything she decided not to put into a clear thought. Then again, Kira had probably also felt that. We need to ask you a few things about Enders. Specifically, how to get one to leave you alone. Lydica felt Kira's curiosity, and how she couldn't stop it from trickling out of her, despite her efforts. Then, he felt her notice Crow, and she did so with an almost predatory grin. Lydica felt that Crow was everything but comfortable under the gaze. Despite being under Kira's invasive scrutiny, Crow kept up their mumbling under their breath. Well, well, Kira thought. Then it seemed as if she and Crow were just staring at each other for hours. Nothing seeped out of that stare. Not one thought, not one emotion. Crow's incomprehensible mumbling became part of the static, tumbled over itself, was the only sound you couldn't hear. You're fucked. It was the conclusion from Kira. She looked back at Taryn, who protested with at least ten thoughts at the same time. Kira held up a hand in her mind, continuing her thoughts. It's just the truth. I've seen that kind of messed up hexes before, where an ender has done them itself. They're ugly. No offence. She didn't mean it. This one time, we tried to contact an ender, bring it to us, hit back first, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, 
can't say I recommend watching someone literally turn themselves inside out in front of your eyes just because an ender thought it'd be fun to watch. It sort of gets stuck in your head. Forever. Lydia was sure Kira could have stopped it from escaping her. But now they all saw a glimpse of her memory and it instantly threatened to send them all reeling out of this place. He felt Vesh collect them all, like enormous soft arms saving them from falling. He could tell it wasn't easy. You're lying. You've always been such a fucking liar, Kira. They had all felt that Taran had been betrayed. And they felt her regretting everyone seeing that. Then they couldn't tell if it was Kira or Taryn who had felt betrayed. Eventually, they all realized it was impossible to both lie and interpret properly here. If I were you, I'd just leave this little shit to their own devices. Save yourselves. Kira shrugged. Get us out of here. It was Crow's and Taryn's thought. You're emotional. Going back in here is not an option for a very long time. Vesh tried to allow them to consider. Can we kill it? Lydikai heard that it was his question, directed at Kira. A laughter rippled through the entire place, weirdly shaking its foundation as if it didn't like to make the sound. <laughs> Enders are the mishap of magic. The byproduct of arrogance, the slither through the cracks. They are built of what was carelessly left behind. They become the very essence of turning the rules against you. If it's latched onto you, you might as well just chop your own head off. Spare yourself some suffering. They're leeches on relativity. But... They felt her shrug. If you manage to get past that in some way, I don't know. Perhaps just wish it dead real hard. Her grin was suddenly like daggers. She wanted them to stay here with her, to fail. Not just with the ender, fail everything. Lose track of reality. Grab hold of them, capture them. Shit, Vesh echoed through the place. Hold on to something. Color came back, a lightning bolt to the spine, blinding, hurting, painful. Li Ji Kai. Something shot like electricity over Li Ji Kai's skin, starting at his hip before everything closed off to a solid, choking darkness. To Derry, there was something strangely mundane about just sneaking up to a window and peeking through it. She did a lot of magic that would get her into trouble if she slipped up, but this made her feel as if she would get caught in a completely different way. She had suggested Lon do it. Lon was a hunter. 
She could sneak up on skittish Galomi if she wanted nowadays. Derry had seen her do it. However, Lon had just waved, frustrated, towards the very open space surrounding the little hut, and then towards the very bright light from the afternoon sun. Lon had become even tenser after Cheramia, as if she had let go of some blockage, and now she was unmoored and volatile as a result. While sleeping, and sometimes disturbingly to Derry, also while awake, Lon muttered stuff like meat, eat them, and hungry. Derry was all for letting go of conventions and barriers, but this was turning a little inconvenient. She was supposed to be the one tagging along. Lon was supposed to be the one with the plan. Right now, Derry felt as if she was herding an angry camperous beast in front of her, trying to not get accidentally stuck between its jaws. <sighs> oh well. Receiving the communication from Lupa had been exhausting, so Derry was trying to conserve her energy now. Therefore, she only kept up the magic which hid her completely until she had reached the house wall. Here, in the shadow of the thatched roof, she could blend in with much less effort and peek over the edge of the flaking paint on the sill. There were open windows at the back of the house, but they were only open in the way that meant vines thickest tree trunks could snake into the house. You would see nothing there. Instead, she had picked out a window that was closed, but clean. She tilted her head at what she saw. A very tall, muscular Ori with a soft black cloud of curly hair around her head paced back and forth in the bright hut. She was dressed in grey linen clothes, a shirt with roll-up sleeves tight against her body, and wide trousers flopping around her legs as she moved. Both founts and hex brands covered her dark brown skin in a way that was very aesthetically pleasing to Derry. She wished her own combination of foci were as tastefully placed across her body instead of the cluttered patchwork that was a result of her parting and closing her skin so often. Next to the pacing Ori were two others. One was lying on their back on a mattress, very dark grey skin and black hair in locks laying out next to them over the floor. Derry couldn't make out much more since they were lying flat, but they were not moving under the silken red cover that was placed over them. The third Ori was sitting on his knees, next to the one lying down. It didn't have any hex brands that Derry could see, but many founts that looked like Apex Legacy. They were bronze and black against his brown skin, and his straight black hair was up in a messy, desperate tail at the back of his head. A red robe hung off his narrow, lanky frame, spreading out behind him, showing that the hem of it was a fragile net of wear and tear. He and the pacing Ori seemed to be in a tense, occasionally waving hands at each other tense conversation. Derry couldn't make the words out through the thick window pane. They weren't speaking loudly, only angrily. The Ori she was looking for was nowhere to be seen, however. She hadn't seen their quarry herself, but the repeated description Lon had given in threats across all of Runa's southwest corner had etched that Ori's appearance into her inner eye, and none of these three matched that at all. That was terribly unfortunate. She was not looking forward to telling Lon about that. Hoping that the missing fourth Ori was just a 
momentary situation, she made it over to a collection of little junipers and hunkered down in the middle of them. She had a clear view of the door to the house here. Thinking it couldn't hurt, she mumbled a plea to the moons to please just give her something. Manorim and Kensaro were once again in the sky when Vesh finally opened his eyes. Lidikai had nodded off and woke him back up with a start more times than he could count, but as soon as he saw the twitching of Vesh's eyelids and the subsequent glow of deep brown in the pale purple light in the house, he felt completely awake. Vesh's eyes instantly narrowed in a pained frown and a quiet grunt escaped him. Rasajuna. Dedekai breathed. He saw Vesh smile softly at it. That was not... That hasn't happened before. Even when I've brought guests, visitors, along. Vesh said quietly, his voice hoarse. Actually, what did happen? Dedekai sighed, looking at the door. Then back at Vesh. I'm not sure, unfortunately. And neither is Taryn. She came back, or woke up, before me. She was very distressed when I woke up. He swallowed. She thought neither of us would. He watched his hands fiddle with the torn apart hem of his robe. Everything felt very cold. And Crow is gone. Gone in what manner? Well, I'm not sure, actually. They were gone when Taryn came to. I eventually got her to go out and look through the vicinity more thoroughly. Her pacing in here wasn't helping anyone. Well, not me, at least. But, yes, given the circumstances, I suppose there are a lot of possible explanations other than Crow simply leaving by their own volition. A little too many, for my taste. Vesh remained still, looking up at the ceiling for a while. Then he slowly pulled himself up in a sitting position. The pained spasms over his face were familiar to Lidikai. Headache. Could I... Bother you for some water, Vesh said faintly. Lidikai got to his feet a little too quickly, feeling the entire room spin as he did so. Water was probably a sound idea for him as well. As efficiently as he could, he stepped out into the night air, trying his best to not feel watched by the surrounding silhouettes of trees across the Alva. He focused on the cold metal of the water pump under his hands, the weight of the filled pail. He felt immediately safer back behind the door of Vesha's hut again, despite the hushed pale gloom in there. He brought a candelabra, one filled with candles, not flowers, along the water. Vesh had scooted over to sit leaning against the wall. He accepted the water gratefully. Lidikai lit the candles with his fingertips, happy that the exhaustion made the flames faint, not volatile, for once. Effortless, Vesh suddenly said, quietly enough for Lidikai to wonder if it was supposed to have come out. 
Lydekai looked over at the fogwalker, seeing that he was smiling behind closed eyelids. He opened one eye as Lydekai looked, nodding towards the candles. Lydekai very distinctly felt as if he had missed something, and Bash didn't seem inclined to follow the comment up. Lydekai sat down again, cross-legged, spinning his own mug of water between his hands. You said that has never happened before, he said. Nevertheless, you don't happen to have any theories? Always, Besh said, eyes still shut, vague smile still on his lips. I'm thinking overload, perhaps. Me overestimating my ability. I've brought visitors before, though fewer, not three at a time, two at most. I must have spread the overload to you. It makes sense that I was the one out sleeping, gone, uh, the longest. Or maybe it was that friend, old friend, of Terence. She was not happy, content, at all, to have us there. Lydikai sighed loudly. <sighs> I wish she would have prepared us for that. Vesh shrugged. I doubt she expected the grudge to be there still. Taran assumes everyone moves on as she does, as forcibly as she does. That's true. Between the two words, he had almost fallen over, even though he was sitting down. Now that Vesh was awake and seemed all right enough, Lydikai could barely stay awake anymore. Unsteadily, he got to his feet, feeling drunk and as if someone had hit him over the head simultaneously. Everything's a mess he muttered, which made Vash let out a small surprised laugh. But I still need to sleep before I do anything else, I think. Yes, good. I will be awake. Please sleep. Vash got to his feet slowly. And thank you very much for watching over me. That's... Lydikai cleared his throat. No problem. The mattress was just as hard as it had been the last time he tried to sleep on it, but now the fact that it was finally horizontal trumped everything else. Crow had stared at their own hands for hours now. Small drops formed on their fingertips from the light rain. Five other individuals on the carriage were shouting and laughing, drunk on companionship and sour wine. Crow watched the drops on their fingertips and saw tears, then blood, then spittle, then sweat. They thought of bodies and people. Try to make everyone equal. Everyone was the same to them. Everyone was just bodies, beings, matter. Themselves too. Just matter. Just a thing. Cause belonged to others. Cause belonged to strange currents of existence. Everyone just drifts along, trying to survive. Cause was something that worked through matter 
and bodies and tears and spittle and sweat, but it did not originate there. Causes belong to something else, and we are all just pawns. We are all just raindrops on the fingertips of something bigger, something that matters. We are all just matter under the crushing gravity of something that matters. Lydia had become so familiar with a white wooden ceiling by now that he was sure he would be able to sketch a perfect copy of it from memory for the rest of his life. He had slept, but now he did not. He had been woken up by a thought, it seemed, a fear. An hour of sleep had seemingly allowed his thoughts to settle, draw a conclusion, and that was that Crow must be in terrible danger. And Lady Kai wasn't doing anything to help them. He had tried to calm himself down. Think of the elation, of the fact that, in the tumult of everything else, he had actually managed to use abstraction. It worked for a while, sending ripples of calm and delight through him, until suddenly Taran's words echoed through him like through an endless cave. Abstraction can cause enders to appear. What if one had, and no one had noticed it? No one knew how they worked. What if it had all become worse? Everything. Not just for them, for everyone. And he had done that. He hadn't gone after to help Crow, and he probably created yet another ender. <laughs> it would get him. Or Taran. Or Vesh. His entire body was frozen to the hard mattress, his every vertebra traceable against the surface. Only with extreme effort did he manage to force breath in and out of his lungs. He could move his eyes, but nothing else. He wanted to scream. Then, all of a sudden, the feeling reversed. The panic turned into a desperate, wild impulse to flee. He flew up from the floor, body uncomfortably unwieldy, absolutely not working as it should. He tried to stand on his own and failed. His hand found something, and he pulled at it, desperately, harshly. It seemed it had been a tablecloth, and everything on top of it crashed to the floor with such a loud noise that Lady Kai lost what little breath he had. Tears streamed from his eyes. He could feel that. But all he tried to fight was the physical void in him. At this time, surely would kill him. There was no doubt. Every other time this thing had grabbed him had only been in preparation for this. This was it. He could only inhale. He had forgotten how to breathe. While his vision not only dimmed, but actually faded, he heard a part of him think very calmly, what an embarrassing way to finally go, forgetting how to breathe. Then, everything hurt in a very sharp flash. It caused him to finally be able to exhale, crampingly, surprised. His vision dimmed with tears, trying to figure what had caused the pain. Someone was on their knees in front of him, holding his shoulders, a form saying something. Warm hands 
saying something. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Instructions. Lydikai finally managed to staple together. It was a lot easier said than done, but after a while, he managed a few breaths at a time. His lungs stung. Vesh matched Lejikai's breathing as best he could, all the while keeping his eyes steadily on the panicking mage. Vesh's face looked very worried. Lejikai wanted to apologize for making him feel he had to make that face. When Lejikai's breathing was somewhat stable again, Vesh's worried hands unclasped from Lejikai's shoulders with a flinch. Lejikai instantly wanted them back. He momentarily felt as if he would fall off his own spine. I'm sorry, Vesh said, sounding indeed very, very sorry. I think... Lidikai couldn't hold back a confused short laugh. think that's my sentiment. He leaned back a little. Why are you apologizing? The, um... Vesh waved in front of him, making circles in the air with his hands... When Lidikai only looked more confused at it, Vesh let a small trickle of bright lightning connect between his fingers. Lidikai realized what it was that had hurt so much initially. I didn't mean to at all. I Vesh let out a frustrated sigh through his nose. I was scared. You scared me. Me too, Lidikai said quietly. I think it was the best solution, though. I think my body had forgotten how to breathe. Kickstart. It was an attempt at jovial he only half managed to follow through. It was, after all, actually true. The shock of electricity had basically jolted him back to life. Did something happen? Or was it simply all of... Besh held out his hands to the surroundings. <laughs> Lidikai shot out. Yes, that. The latter. I just... <sighs> what if Crow is in trouble and we're squandering our chance to help them? The fear that he had created an ender almost fell off his tongue. But the idea seemed absolutely ridiculous now. It had seemed everything but just a few impossible breaths ago. Taryn has done the looking that was readily available, that was easy, ah, possible, what was possible to do. Vesh shook his head, obviously annoyed at his own inability to settle on a word he was happy with. Lydica hadn't seen him have that reaction to it before. Anything else would require time, energy, focus. We are all running on nothing. Dying cinders. There's only so much air one can blow. Can absolutely testify to that, Lidikai said. Without a word, Vesh stood up and was gone for enough time that Lidikai thought that was the parting he would get for this strange moment. It wasn't, however. Vesh came back, holding out a crooked little root. Chew three times. Don't do a taran. Lidikai took the root, knowing what it was, but not what doing a taran in relation to it meant. It probably showed on his face. Vesh shook his hands apologetically. She is in pain, but she overindulges, overcompensates. He paused. No, that is unfair. 
I do not know. But just three. For you. Now. He shook his head at himself again. Rasa, Lidikai said, putting the root in his mouth. It was bitter and sour at the same time. Mesh nodded at him, moving to walk back to his own mattress. Sewa. Aira Resa. Mesh was already out of earshot, but Lidikai still muttered an absent-minded Ehili Dea into the moonlight. <laughs>